With Citizenship and Immigration Canada making it increasingly difficult to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn for information that can be relied upon. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy. As he answers a wide variety of immigration questions and shares practical tips and guidance to help you along your way. Well, after a considerable delay, I am now relaunching my new and improved Canadian Immigration podcast. It's likely that I'll continue to maintain my second Canadian Immigration Answers podcast for a little while longer, but will eventually merge that one with this podcast. In conjunction with the podcast, and to better establish a platform that I'm trying to build, Um, I've also released a brand new interactive website to host all of the content that I intend to produce through the Canadian Immigration Podcast. And I also intend uh, to consistently blog and share uh, the knowledge and and other things that um, related related to Canadian Immigration with you. Now, before I get into more details regarding my Canadian Immigration Podcast and why I hope to, uh, what I hope to accomplish with it, I felt that it was pretty important that I share a little bit of information about myself first. So, uh, one promise I made to myself is that I wanted anyone who was listening to this podcast to know who I really am. There's nothing more irritating to me than these nameless, faceless websites offering Canadian immigration services in whatever capacity without disclosing who will actually be preparing the applications. It's pretty hard to build a relationship of trust with a company. People, as I think most would agree, build relationships of trust and confidence with people. In our world of hyper-privacy, it's become almost a sin to share anything personal about yourself on a professional website. Well, I can tell you I don't subscribe to that philosophy. So, without much ado, uh, I'm going to share a little bit of information about myself, possibly a little bit more than my wife would want me to share. However, uh, that's just how I'm wired. Well, I'm a farm boy. I grew up riding horses, chasing cows, and moving irrigation pipe across our alfalfa fields in beautiful southern Alberta. I've got such positive, positive memories of those days. I had three brothers and no sisters. We were the Holthy Boys, the wild Holthy Boys to all who knew us. We lived a completely carefree life, swimming and fishing in the river that flowed by our house, riding horses, and basically doing what farm boys do. Um, I loved playing sports as a kid. In fact, I wanted to be a high school phys ed teacher more than anything because of my love of sports. I played just about every sport I could. The only time I had to choose was when the seasons conflicted. But above all, track and field and volleyball were my favorite. I played collegiate volleyball on the men's team at the college in Lethbridge, Uh, in Alberta here uh, between, well, in 1991 and then again in 1994 to 1996 when I served as the captain of the team in my final year. I had the privilege of competing in the 1992 Canadian Olympic trials for high jump in Montreal just prior to the Barcelona-Spain Olympic Games. I was completely out of my league (laughs) at those trials However, Athletics Canada gave me a B-carding as a result of my performances uh, the previous year where I jumped um, 
two meters and five centimeters, which was the Olympic standard that year. So that carding paid for my flight and gave that farm boy his first taste of flight and traveling outside of our little rural community. Coming from an entirely English-speaking rural farming community, Montreal was like being in a different country. It was one of the most prized experiences for my youth. That summer, following the Olympic trials, I made one of the best decisions of my life. I decided to serve a full-time mission for my church, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And on October 14, 1992, I left my home and had the amazing experience of serving in Portugal for two years. Much of who I am today is as a result of that wonderful experience. I grew to really love the people, and in return, they gave me a wonderful second language that in reality has helped me to appreciate the challenges people experience as they attempt to learn English as a second language when immigrating to Canada. Now, following my mission, I returned home where I married my beautiful wife, Deanna. We have four children, two girls, yes, I'm slowly trying to figure them out, and two boys. Making a better life for them was one of the reasons I decided to become a lawyer. However, I can tell you law wasn't my first career. I spent my undergraduate degree preparing to be a high school physical education teacher. I worked for one year as a teacher in a small rural high school near the Alberta-Montana border before deciding to shift gears and go to law school. It was during that time, working as a teacher, that I was introduced to the immigration manager uh, who oversaw the Alberta ports of entry. Now, interestingly enough, I taught uh, some of his children, and when he heard I was going to law school, he suggested that I apply to work as an officer on the border in the summer while I was attending law school. It's amazing how things work out. Well, after having completed the first year of law school um, and having worked during the summer uh, on the Canada-U.S. border there as an immigration officer, I made the decision to restrict my law practice exclusively to Canadian immigration. I did this largely because it gave me an opportunity to work with people in a way that made a real difference in their lives. There's no greater feeling than that, I can tell you. Although I started my legal career in a large national law firm in Calgary and spent some time working as an associate and a partner um, with the head of the management committee in a, in a mid-sized regional firm, I found that the current configuration of Holty Tillman LLP was really the best for allowing me to the freedom that I wanted to be able to do what I'm doing right now. These podcasts, these blogs, the you know all of the things that I love, and um, without having the artificial constraints of a billable hour target, or just the basic demands of of big firm practice or even a large regional firm, meeting after meeting and and you know, uh, which basically left no time to do these kinds of things. So I'm super excited. I love this. I'm hoping that it's actually going to be of value to some people. But anyways, I'm doing it as much because because I love it and, and as a way to give back. So um, I now get the opportunity to utilize a little bit of my teaching background as a lawyer through my speaking engagements, uh, workshops, and, and obviously this recent venture into podcasting. I count myself blessed every day for the opportunities that I've been given. If you want to see my full personal biography, you can just go to my website, uh, at least the firm website, ht-llp.com. 
and just click on who we are and follow the links down to my name and then you can see kind of what I've done professionally. So let's get back to why I've created the Canadian Immigration Podcast. My intention is to make the podcast extremely practical. And that's basically how it's been to this point. I'll be creating a series of how-to blogs for a number of different tasks we often ask our clients to do or they ask us to do, such as access to information requests when immigration applications are refused. you got to figure out why the heck those officers, you know, what grounds they're really relying upon versus that standard template letter that really tells you nothing. Um, we also intend to give some general instructions and directions on, on how to obtain police clearances from certain countries, um, as well as completing immigration medicals and uh, what you need to do to get those taken care of. However, because my background and some of the other staff members in the office, well, one in particular, um, having worked as officers within Citizenship and Immigration Canada, and I guess I should say that that one person is Billy Young, who just completed her immigration consulting um, certification and is waiting to get registered, so we're super excited for her. Um, uh, her and I, because of the experience we spent working within Citizenship and Immigration Canada, we intend to share a number of blogs geared towards uh, kind of turning back the curtain on CIC a little bit. And, and I guess at this stage, the, the Canada Border Service Agency where I worked, but at that time I was an immigration officer with CIC, and kind of what goes on through an officer's mind uh, when they're processing an application or even, you know, when an officer's admitting a person to the country through the various Canadian ports of entry. So make sure that you subscribe to our mailing list uh, on the website, which the website you're now going to be going to is the Canadian Immigration Podcast.com um, so that you can be advised of new content when it comes out. Finally, over the past few years, I have become somewhat frustrated with the limited capacity I actually have to help people. As an immigration lawyer, my ability to offer service to people has been limited by the fact I only have so many hours in the day. You know, we all only have so many hours in a day. And at any given time, I can only assist one person at a time through some kind of formal legal consultation or even work on only one person's application materials at a time. So when you think about it, one-on-one uh, -on -one advice and direction is really all I can do. Well, to add on to that, I've spent the last nine years serving within the Canadian Bar Association's immigration section at both the local and national level. I had an absolutely amazing time working beside some of the most dedicated, intelligent, and caring immigration lawyers across the country. These are people who truly wanted to give back to our profession and who advocated tirelessly on behalf of those most vulnerable in our society. And really, with all of the discussion we've had in the news lately uh, regarding the Syrian refugees and that poor little, those poor little children and, and mother within that family who passed away uh, that has been rampant throughout the news lately, um, it's immigration lawyers who are driving that ship. You know, it's those who care about these people who have been advocating uh, with our federal government to make changes. And so some of those people I had a chance to really develop close relationships with, and they were just, just wonderful people who I admire and respect immensely. And in the future, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to get some of them to come on and 
talk about their experiences and, and add guests into this podcast. But for now, we'll just figure out if anyone even wants to listen to it. So um, through, through the CBA, I had a wonderful opportunity serving as the chapter chair for our local section in Calgary for two years. Uh, I spent a number of years working um, as a member at large on, on those committees and through the positions of secretary and, and vice chair, and then I ultimately became the chapter chair. And then after I served in that capacity for two years, um, I then moved on and uh, for the past two years recently have been serving on our national immigration law section as an executive member. And uh, I had an opportunity to participate in drafting in the drafting of uh, numerous submissions to the government advocating on behalf of both the individuals affected by this flurry of immigration program changes um, and others um, you know that have really been had their had their lives rocked by this uh, change in Canadian immigration landscape. So um, yeah, so I love this experience. It was wonderful. Um, you know, working with the national leadership of the Canadian Bar Association and and uh, developing all of those associations that I made with those wonderful lawyers um, was just amazing. But you know what? I felt that although those efforts were making a difference at a federal policy level, at a high level, my calling has, and I know it'll always be, at the ground level, helping people from all walks of life navigate the complexities of Canadian immigration. Um, so I officially dropped off the nav- national executive on September the 1st, just a few days ago, so that I can devote all of my time to this new venture. And of course, continuing to run the immigration uh, department within our law firm. So what does my law practice look like now? Well, I have an office in Calgary, which I visit weekly to meet with clients. But for family reasons, I live in Lethbridge which is located about two hours south, where I make my home, I raise my family, and spend the majority of my time. Because of practicing in a small town, I do not have the ability to reach the same numbers of people compared with some of my colleagues uh, that live in some of the larger metropolitan cities across the country. Fortunately, as our world has become more virtual, I've continued to see my law firm grow. Um, to a large extent, word of mouth has been the method of growth and happy clients have referred us to others and and uh, the practice continues to keep growing. But do you know what? I'm still not satisfied. Um, I'm only able to serve just a few people and I want to be able to help many more people than I currently am. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite genuine about that. Um, the, the best parts of being a, an immigration lawyer is actually making a difference in the lives of people. And uh, you kind of develop this, this feeling of, of wanting to help people. And, and when you see people's lives change for the better because of something you did, it's tremendously satisfying. Not the money, but the actual serving of people. And with the pro bono work that I do within the office, I can't tell you the, the satisfaction you get helping people without expecting something in return. So, you know, believe it or not, that is one of the motivators for me doing this. And in fact, this podcast I am doing at 1.04 a.m. On, on September the 6th. And it was the only time that I could fit in with my family and everything else. But uh, I'm just really excited about it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun for me and if anyone gets any benefit out of it, great. So 
There's going to be lots of free resources on the website. But after much consideration and contemplating my ability to actually help people, I've decided to create a series of Canadian immigration do-it-yourself guides. Now, it might sound a little bit of hokey to my colleagues across the country and, you know, kind of smack of the Canadian legal will kit or things like that. But the reality is my intention is to take um, all of the knowledge that I have, all the experience and that of my staff and put it into these guides and make them tremendously practical and really to create a step-by-step instruction on how to complete the various Canadian immigration applications. I intend to start with express entry because, well, let's face it, that's the one that's giving everybody a, uh, so much grief lately, whether you're a lawyer or a consultant or, or you out there that are just seeking to do it yourselves. The reality is the this guide will contain every tip, every strategy, an ounce of knowledge I and my staff have gleaned, uh, both working within CIC and in the past 11 years of Canadian immigration practice. So, why choose to create do-it-yourself guides? And that's obviously the question many people will ask. Um, the answer is pretty simple. As an immigration lawyer, my legal fees are not cheap. And especially when you practice at a high level and, and you represent large multinational companies, um, they're more than happy to pay the fees that are commensurate with the service that's being offered. But there's lots out there, and not everyone seeking entry to Canada can, can afford to hire an immigration lawyer. It's for these people, really, that I've been most concerned. In the past year, there's been a significant shift in how CIC processes immigration applications. For many years, CIC was more than willing to accept uh, immigration applications that were mostly complete, <clears throat> but with some technical deficiencies. So, in other words, the applications were submitted and maybe there's a document missing or a form that wasn't quite completed correctly. And uh, in these circumstances, people who submitted these deficient applications received a deficiency letter or a letter from CIC explaining what was missing. These people were often given 30, 60, or even 90 days to provide the missing information. Um, and if they didn't, well, then obviously the application was refused, but they were given a chance. Well, unfortunately... Oh boy, there's now occurred a significant change within CIC in how applications are being processed. And we've seen this coming since the, the overhaul of the Temporary Foreign Worker Program last June of 2014. It's just been building. And it's, you know, as a practitioner, it's, uh, it's, it's really sad. But the reality is, um, in an effort to streamline the adjudication process and, I think most importantly, save money, Citizenship and Immigration Canada has now shifted substantially to a one-touch policy. Now, there's some exemptions, uh, exceptions to that, such as spousal sponsorships. Those tend to still, you know, they still tend to have a little bit of mercy if something is missing. But for much of the other applications, they're getting kicked back for, for really no reason at all. Well, I shouldn't say no reason, but just really technical um, deficiencies. So uh, regardless of how insignificant... <clears throat> excuse me, um, regardless of, of how insignificant the error is, um, they just decide to return the entire application versus holding it in the queue. Um, now, they're quick to return your processing fee. However, for individuals who are relying desperately for an application to be processed in a set period of time, 
having this occur and having their application returned can be absolutely devastating. Because the stakes are so high, there have been many people that have had applications refused with the consequence of losing the opportunity to come to Canada temporarily. Or, in the worst case scenarios I've seen, well, their dream of living in Canada can be permanently shattered. Now, I don't mean to be so overdramatic here. Um, However, I can tell you, we have had hundreds of people contact our office for assistance this year alone, only to be told it was too late and that they'd have to likely return back to their home country. So I know firsthand how volatile this entire immigration application process is now and the real effect it can have on individuals and families that are simply trying to make a better life for themselves. So this now sets the stage for the circumstances leading up to my decision to create the Canadian Immigration Podcast and my do-it-yourself guides. As I just explained, in the previous CIC world of deficiency letters, a small oversight or omission within an application was not fatal. CIC would simply send out the deficiency letter after having done the completeness check. Well, in fact, many immigration representatives, whether they be dabbling lawyers, well, what I mean by that is lawyers who practice in 500 different areas and whatever comes across their desk, they do, and that may be immigration if you happen to be the person who goes to see them. So not all lawyers are created equally. Or immigration consultants, um, there are some wonderful consultants out there and there's some real crappy ones too. And I think we all know the horror stories and people have probably lived through them. Maybe one of these podcasts, I may even have one on your worst experience dealing with an immigration representative. Hopefully it's not a client that had a bad experience working with me, but at the end of the day, um, there are some, uh, there's a huge disparity in the quality of uh, representatives out there. But anyways, these dabbling immigration lawyers and, and really lightweight consultants benefited tremendously from this policy. They would never have to spend you know, any time at all trying to become an expert in the area because, hey, if they submitted the application and there was missing information, well, CIC would just send them back the uh, deficiency letter. And so the, the, standard practice made, uh, the standard practice made many lawyers and consultants quite a bit of money when they really didn't add any value to the clients that paid them in the first place. You know, in fact, most of these lightweight representatives would simply have the client fill in the application for themselves anyways. So, in essence, they're offering no greater value than being the one to mail the application off to CIC. No wonders they're able to charge $250 for an application that I would typically charge $2,000. However, in today's Canadian immigration world, a great leveling effect is starting to occur among representatives. Dabbling lawyers and incompetent consultants can no longer hide their ineptness behind CIC's old policy of requesting deficient information. If something's missing or or incomplete with the application package, an applicant receives the whole package back, requiring them to have to resubmit everything once again. Often, the refused application can take months to come back. In the case of some foreign workers, reaching the four-year cap on their work permits, this leaves them in an absolutely fatal position because there's often no further options available to them to remain in Canada longer 
because they were relying upon the permanent resident application to be ad- accepted and and to receive the completeness check uh, so that they could then benefit from um, the the granting of uh, a bridging work permit which is reliant on the permanent resident application being accepted. So essentially, that, that convoluted way of describing it, you file your permanent resident application, and if your current work permit is expiring, uh, as long as that permanent resident application is received as being complete by CIC, then you can file an extension of your work permit called a bridging work permit to uh, continue working until a decision is made on your permanent resident application. Well, with individuals who are capping out after four years, if that application gets refused, your work permit expires, you are done. You are hooped. There is nothing that you can do. And I saw that happen. You know, I saw that happen this year. And the reality is CIC offers very little sympathy to these individuals. And after spending years establishing themselves in Canada, and this may very well be you listening to this podcast, you know, dreams are dashed because of a simple oversight that could have easily been avoided. So, nearing the end of April of this year, 2015, when the first group of foreign workers were capping out, I realized that continuing to operate my law firm in the fashion that I was doing would significantly limit my ability to actually help individuals who desperately needed assistance. I'd already written a series of blogs at the end of 2014 and the beginning of 2015 to provide general advice and direction on some of the options that could be available to foreign workers facing the four-year cap on their work permits. I knew that many of these individuals would have nowhere to turn for advice, so I tried to make the blog as practical as possible. I also wrote a number of blogs on the new express entry system to try to help those individuals who had nowhere else to go. These blogs uh, continue to receive high traffic today, even after eight months. I also lowered my consultation fee in an effort to make my legal services more affordable. However, I could never provide sufficient value to these individuals in a 30-minute consult. Um, I could, you know, or to give them at least a solid starting point for completing their applications on their own. I could point them in the right direction, However, there were so many minefields and pitfalls along the way that even when I gave them specific instructions on which applications to make in order to stay in Canada, inevitably a tiny little mistake within the application package would would cause it to get rejected and there was nothing that I could do. Well, despite the fact I lowered my consult fee, individuals were still unable to afford the flat fees I charged for the various immigration applications. And I don't make any excuses for the fees that I charge. You know, I've worked very hard to try and reach the stage that I'm at. You know, we act for many, many multinational companies and practice at a very high level. And we pay a high price, um, both in training and, and, and just getting to where we are now, um, that I have no... Um, I, I, have, I make no excuses for the legal fees that we charge because I believe that we provide the value uh, that, uh, that is commensurate with those, with those fees. We by no means are the most expensive firm in, in the country, but we often don't. Uh, well, the reality is we, we definitely, um, our fees are, are not as low as, as some of the consultants that have kind of come into the market and, and done their darndest to, to undercut us. But with that being said, often these individuals would turn to representatives that claim to offer the same service uh, 
but for much less than I charged. However, I can tell you in many cases, and I am 100% serious about this, many cases, the old adage, you get what you pay for, became a reality more often than not. These same clients would come back months down the road, willing to make whatever sacrifices were necessary to pay my fee to get help. However, it was often too late. Because of this, the only solution I could think of was to start the Canadian Immigration Podcast, attempt to, you know, to answer some questions, at least of general importance, uh, to people who were trying to access the Canadian immigration system, and ultimately, the final decision I've made to create a series of do-it-yourself guides that can be offered really you know, at a fraction of the price of what I would typically charge in legal fees. So as I stated previously, my hope is to offer answers to immigration questions that could be broadcast to a much greater audience than just those people that could either afford my legal services or um, you know, choose to retain our firm. So uh, I tend to get many of the same questions all the time. So what better way to amplify my knowledge and experience than to host a weekly podcast show where I share my knowledge freely with really, I guess, anyone who cares to listen. Um, I, I will also say, and I'll probably say it a couple times here in this podcast, in no way, shape, or form do I consider myself the absolute expert on anything Canadian immigration related. I'm very confident in the work that we've done and I've done to, to become knowledgeable in the area, but most assuredly, there's lawyers out there and, and consultants as well who probably have, um, you know, 10 more years experience than I do and, and have, uh, you know, a wonderful skill set and ability to, to help and bless the lives of, of other people. But, um, but anyways, uh, the, the reality is there's, you know, even within the podcast, there's only so much that you can do through a, through a, through spoken word. Um, however, the way I look at it, if the information I provide can give people even a little help in completing their applications on their own or helping to resolve some of the dilemmas that they're experiencing, then my, I guess my purpose is accomplished. So there's my, you know, altruistic reasons for doing what I'm doing. But um, clearly the guides when they're created are not meant to replace the value of seeking personal legal advice from a qualified representative. They're going to be general in nature. However, I intend to pour every tip, every strategy, every suggestion that I can possibly think of into the guide um, so that it'll give people at least a solid basis of information on how to avoid some of the common mistakes and give them practical tips that they really could not get anywhere else um, except probably hiring a representative. So let's face it, many individuals who may benefit from the do-it-yourself guides would likely never hire me in any event, because my legal fees are too high. However, they may be more willing to purchase a guide from someone that hopefully they can trust to help them along their way. Now, part of the reason I'm doing this Canadian Immigration Podcast is is to try and develop a relationship of, of trust with you. And, uh, you know, there'll be times when I, I know I'll get something wrong. And, and for that reason, on the website, which I'll state a little bit later in this podcast as I explain it a little bit more, I want you to tell me if I'm offside with anything. If you have a different way of doing things, well, that's how we all learn. And there, 
believe it or not, there are a number of different ways of putting immigration packages together. And uh, there's a number of different strategies that can ultimately lead to the same destination. So I definitely don't consider myself uh, all-knowing about every single thing related to immigration. But one thing I can tell you is that if I don't know the answer, I, I'll know where to get it. So in this fashion, um, I feel like I'm actually giving back to many people who may have nowhere else to turn for help. I won't get into the dangers of hiring the cheapest lawyer or consultant as your representative. However, this is my one caveat. It goes without saying that if the professional fee you are being quoted for whatever immigration application seems like a real deal, there is likely a very good reason why the fee has been set at the rate it is. Now, I think in the future, I'm also going to have some, uh, maybe have one of my podcasts uh, directed to, you know, hiring uh, hiring an immigration representative and maybe the top 10 list of things that you should do before making a final decision. But we'll leave that for uh, a future podcast. With all this being said, uh, by charging a small fee for the do-it-yourself guide, I can then afford to improve on the quality of what I'm offering on the podcast and all the other resources. Um, the, the, The guides themselves... I'll be able to enhance. I'll be able to put more resources in. I'd be able to make them, you know, better. And uh, the reality is they're not going to be the the fanciest, you know, slickest thing initially. It's going to take time to build build to that. But the content is what's going to be awesome. And I'm really excited about it because I honestly believe that that what we're putting in there is the same kind of thing, knowledge and effort we're putting into every application that we do within our firm. And, uh, you know, as people have the time to sit down and kind of go through an online tutorial, I believe that it's going to help them to avoid some of those pitfalls that people will get themselves into just because they don't know. And despite Citizenship and Immigration Canada's desire to try and create these guides themselves that accompany the applications, they're very sparse. They don't contain any real practical insight or direction uh, that would be useful in um, in resolving some of the common little areas where people are tripped up. And understand, every person is 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 unique. And because of that, these these guides and the information on this podcast, um, it, it's meant to be general in nature. It's not meant to resolve your own immigration specific issues. Obviously, you know, throughout this podcast, I'll give shameless little plugs for my firm and and for why you should, uh, you know, set up a consult if you have specific issues that you're just not able to get answers from the general information that's provided. You know, but whether you hire us or someone else to assist you, if you do need that specific advice, um, this information is not meant to be to cover every single circumstance in the world. But I can confirm that it will help. If it doesn't, then I guess put a comment on my page and let the rest of the world know not to not to purchase the guides or, or, or listen to the podcast. But my my hope is to is to provide something that that um, is going to uh, help and 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 bless the lives of other people. So I don't intend um, to stop practicing immigration law in any way, shape, or form, um, at least in the traditional way that I always have. But through the money that I'm able to, to earn from these uh, do-it-yourself guides, at least the initial ones, I'm hoping to be able to create others and to continually improve upon them year after year. And I think everyone kind of understands that. 
So the ultimate goal is to create a wonderful library of these guides that are constantly being updated um, to provide assistance to anyone who just wants to try it on their own or can't afford legal assistance and and just need a little bit of help to get them going in the direction that they need to go. Well, I hope you find the resources on the Canadian Immigration Podcast useful. However, one of the most important reasons I set up the website was to get feedback from you. Not everything I do will be perfect, as I said, and I'm sure I'll make mistakes and that there, you know, I'll say something here on this podcast where people will come back and say, well, well, I don't know if that's exactly right. Well, if that's the case, then please let me know. However, obviously, I'll, you know, everything that I provide here will be, will be, you know, will be vetted and checked and I'll try not to misstate anything or mislead anyone, but, um, but I need your feedback. So, on every blog, every podcast, and within every guide, there will be a comment section or a rating section or a place where you can review it um, and you can share what you think of the resource. I will rely heavily upon you, especially members of my, you know, this new platform I'm creating, the, this Canadian Immigration Podcast community. Uh, I'll be relying upon you to offer feedback to me on what I'm doing well, where I need to improve, and uh as I said before, I'll never pretend to have all the answers. Um, but clearly, there are many wonderful immigration lawyers out there that are smarter than I and, uh, you know, have more uh, more years of, of experience and practice. And I know because I've worked side by side with them in the trenches of the Canadian Bar Association, you know, fighting for, often for principles that the average person would likely never have even been aware of. So... Uh, it'll be your comments, suggestions, and personal experiences dealing with CIC yourself that will really breathe life into this podcast. Uh, if you know, like I said, if you notice a mistake or have any suggestions for improving, you know these future do-it-yourself guides or any content on the site or within my podcast, or even have any suggestions uh, or 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 experiences that you want to share that have worked well for you. I'd be happy to give you credit if the suggestions land in the next version of the do-it-yourself guide or, or in one of, my, one of my blogs or podcasts. After all, let's face it, this new world of CIC is completely lacking of clear and transparent policy and guidelines. So sometimes the only way you can really know what to do is to learn from the recent successes and failures of, of colleagues and, and friends, as sad as, that, uh, as sad as that may be. So, um, I don't intend as well to, to simply recreate or repackage the good resources that CIC has made available to the public. These resources are created <coughs> excuse me, as a supplement to what CIC has produced. The object is to fill in the gaps that exist within the current uh, publicly available materials. So you'll note that I intend to frequently refer back to the CIC website and provide links to other useful information in a way that makes it easier for you to find. So not only will the do-it-yourself guides provide a foundation of, of strategies and information and guidance, but it's designed to save you time. And to a large extent, time is one of the reasons why people hire me as an immigration lawyer. Well, they're looking for the peace of mind, but also they can't afford to get it wrong and then have applications bounce back and then have to refile. So that's one of the main reasons that people decide to hire an immigration re representative is for that peace of mind. So finally, if you find this information helpful, the best thanks I could ever receive is for you to recommend it to a friend. 
to share it. Uh, there are new, numerous places uh, to share this podcast as well as the blogs and other guides um, through the various social media channels uh, on my website. So Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn tend to be the ones I frequent most. However, I would also ask you to go to iTunes um, and uh, review and, and, and rank the site. Um, those reviews will actually help the podcast to rank higher in the rankings and hopefully become more visible to others who could benefit from this information. Um, I always feel a sense of urgency with immigration because it changes so frequently. You know, if we look back two years, I remember at our National Executive Committee meetings, officers and our national conferences, officers telling us that don't worry about this particular policy we're changing or, or that uh, you know, inconsistency in how we're delivering the immigration programs because in two years, it's all going to change anyways. My goodness, has it ever, you know, so the the rate that immigration has changed, I don't think a single immigration process has not been uh, revamped under the, under the watch of, of our conservative government. And even, in fact, uh, our ex-immigration uh, minister, Jason Kenney, the, every program w- has been touched. So I always feel this sense of urgency when I'm giving out information. And so um, the content I provide, it's, it's going to have a fairly short shelf life. So share the resource as quick as you can with anyone you know. And stay tuned uh, to the release of my very first do-it-yourself guide uh, on Express Entry, which uh, we're looking at a release of November the 1st, 2015. So stay tuned. Watch the, the, the website my website, CanadianImmigrationPodcast.com for further information. And uh, you can subscribe now as well to be notified when it is ready for distribution. So you can also stay tuned to future podcasts where I'll be discussing um, a little bit more about the content of this first guide and, and even get some suggestions from you on things that you'd like to see included within it. It's, uh, it's under, uh, under uh, development right now, <clears throat> but it will be... Um, a guide that is a, a screencast where I walk you step by step through everything you go from registering for your MyCIC account to uploading your profile to, you know, the steps that occur once you receive your invitation to apply and then ultimately the submission of your, the uploading of your permanent resident um, application through whichever category they decide to uh, extend the invitation through. So stay tuned for that. Now, In my next podcast, I want you to stay tuned because I will provide my list of the first five essential steps I believe you need to take before attempting to submit your express entry profile. So because I want this to be an interactive process where we can all learn together, I'd like you to submit your thought on what you think are the most important steps to take before filing your express entry profile to get yourself ready And then you can compare your answers with mine during the podcast. So so go to um, the the website, uh, CanadianImmigrationPodcast.com, and there's a a place for you to to leave your thoughts, and and we'll make sure that uh, those are um, visible also within the comments of of this, or you can leave a comment, sorry, on this podcast um, with some of those important essential first steps that you think um, are necessary. Or, in all honesty, ones that you did first and you found that they really set you up for success when you, uh, when you went forward to submit your profile. So I also intend to take a few listeners' questions at the end of the podcast 
So please go to my website, like I said, at CanadianImmigrationPodcast.com and leave your question. You can do so by clicking on my contact page and leaving a written question uh, through the fillable form. You can also contact, uh, connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn and, and leave your message there. And finally, my preference is that you click on the Ask an Immigration Question widget on the right sidebar um, or the right side panel of the uh, Canadian Immigration Podcast website and leave a voice message. In this manner, I can just include your question directly within the podcast itself without me attempting to read <laughs> your your question and, and, and often uh, mispronounce your name, etc. So um, I'll try to focus on questions related to the Express Entry Program in the next podcast. However, If I get some really good questions that deal with other areas of immigration, I may just include them as well. So stay tuned. Now, in future podcasts, I will be addressing some of the common mistakes people make when they submit their express entry profile. So sometimes we're seeing express entry applications getting returned by mistake, you know, when it's CIC's error, when the applicant did nothing wrong. It's in these infuriating circumstances when I really want, uh, where, where I really want to hear from you. So um, in about two podcasts down the road, if you or someone you know had their express entry application returned or outright refused unfairly, I want to hear about it. Share your worst horror stories with me and I will share some of mine with you at the end of, uh, of, of that podcast. All right, so as I indicated um, Briefly, kind of in the intro, I, I really enjoy speaking and presenting, and I'm a frequent speaker at many immigration conferences, and and so I wanted to just let everybody know, and if if you uh, if any of you are HR managers out there who are responsible for managing the foreign worker program within your company, or really anyone interested in learning more about the recent changes to the temporary foreign worker program and and how they're impacting work permits and labor market opinions and the whole area of employer compliance generally. Um, if you're going to be in Lethbridge on September the 23rd, uh, please come here. Um, come here, hear me speak at the Human Re- Resource Institute of Alberta's Canadian Immigration Law event. So the uh, HRIA event, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it'll essentially be a, a two-hour presentation that I'll be giving at the Lethbridge Lodge. Uh, now, you do not have to be a member of the Human, Resor- the Human Resource Institute of Alberta to attend. You can go to my law firm website, uh, ht-llp.com, and, and click on Seminars and Events uh, to find the information on how to register. And you can just click the Register Here button, and that'll take you to the HRIA website. It's a pretty reasonable cost, too, I think, um, uh, to, to attend that little seminar. So even if you're up in Calgary and you want to drive down, um, I'm sure they, they'd be more than happy to have you. I will also be speaking um, in October at the Canadian Institute's Immigration and International Workers Forum West at the Marriott Hotel in downtown Calgary. Uh, That conference is October the 27th through the 29th. I will be conducting a pre-conference hands-on workshop on the 27th entitled Working Through Labor Market Impact Assessments. And uh, and then the next day on the 28th, I'll be presenting a, a special session on ensuring employer compliance, which is a huge issue uh, with any companies who are hiring foreign workers. So you can find information uh, on that as well 
and how to register also on that uh, that section of my website where I, I list my upcoming speaking engagements. Um, well, <clears throat> that is all for this inaugural episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Uh, as a final sign-off, I will leave you with a wonderful little song, at least I really love it, that pretty much sums up um, why I created the Immigration Podcast and how I feel about this dear country of Canada, my home and native land. Until next time, when I offer more practical tips and information on Canadian law, policy, and practice, we're here to help you along your way. Oh, Canada, greatest country in the Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, your trusted source for information on Canadian law, policy, and practice. If you would like to contribute a question for future podcasts or wish to set up a legal consultation with Mark, please visit www.ht-llp.com.